0: Everybody, whether you're the president of a company or the paperboy, everybody has the exact same amount of time. You and I both have 24 hours a day. No more, no less. The question is, what do you do with your time?
1: Real quick, my friends, go get my new book. It's called The Power to Publish. And it's at the top of the page of zbooks.co at the link, My New Book. And it's going to help you with all of your self-publishing needs. Okay, back to that podcast. Welcome to the ZBooks Successful Authors Podcast. And today I have with me a super successful nonfiction author in the super competitive health and fitness and lifestyle space, and he's got like seven bestsellers. And so, without further ado, let's welcome Derek Derpker. Hi, Derek. Hey, Eric. How's it going? Not bad, not bad. I'm sorry, I'm in Germany. I said your name the German way, Derpker. How do you say your name?
0: Uh, it's Depker. Okay. So if if you think Johnny Depp and then add a Kerr on there, you got it.
1: <laughs> good branding. Good branding.
0: <laughs> so, uh,
1: yeah. Um, I just said you had like seven bestsellers, but let's roll back a little bit. When and why did you start publishing?
0: I got my start back in uh, 2012, and okay. so at this point in time, I spent a couple years struggling as an mm-hmm. entrepreneur, chasing the shiny objects, <laughs> a typical serial entrepreneur looking for a way to share my passion, which is health and fitness, mindset, personal development, and I wanted to earn some income from it. And This was a point in time where I had just moved out to Los Angeles at the beginning of 2011 to become a rock star mm-hmm. and was, was pretty broke, sleeping on an air mattress. And yeah. I was a valet parker delivering yeah. hot wings. And so it was, you know, looking yeah. for that opportunity that was going to generate some income. So, yeah. uh, the online business and, and whatever I could do, I started with blogging YouTube videos, creating a, a course. Nothing really took off. And then I, I won a Kindle uh e reader in the mail uh uh-huh. from posting on a blog. Cool. So I thought, well let's let's take some of this writing that I had done and, and put it up on Kindle. So I, I put it up by one book, I sold maybe three copies in the in the first few months. <laughs> and uh then I did a uh a second book and this time I really studied what it what it took. Uh went through some courses and books and things that were out back then. And this time I made like $100 in sales that first month, which was um, really cool. And at the same time, considering my expenses and the time I put into it, Mm -hmm. I was like, well, that's not really going to set me free financially. Do you
1: Um, remember the first course? Who was it?
0: uh, I don't remember the very first course. (laughs) I can tell you that I did a training course kindling by uh, Geoff Shaw. And I remember one book that really helped me a lot. This is actually going between my second and third book was Tom Corson's no Tom Corson Knowles Kindle Publishing Bible. Yeah, uh, which I is saw great, some
1: of your videos with him. Yeah, Kindle Publishing Bible. Yeah, I saw some of your videos with him in uh YouTube. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry I interrupted you.
0: Yeah, well Tom uh, yeah, Tom's a great guy and uh, really knows this uh knows the business of self-publishing. So, you know, I went through some of the the different training courses and so that second book, you know, did okay. And at this point in time, that was started middle of 2012, going to the end of 2012. I was kind of like, okay, well, I mean, that's cool, but you know, on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. But um, something inside me said, you know, publish one more book, do do one more book. And my intention shifted a little bit. I was always about adding value to the marketplace. Uh, this time it was like, I, you know, if I die in 30 days <laughs> and don't make a dime get yeah. to keep any money from this book i'm still gonna write something <laughs> and put something out there that would that would leave a legacy that i'd be really proud of so at this so point that,
1: you're still playing guitar in a rock band and going in between books and in, in rock bands
0: exactly mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. so i i published a third book 50 fitness tips you wish you knew um i took what i had known i kind of threw out a few of the a few of the quote-unquote rules and added some of my own twist to it and uh And what ended up happening was within about a week after a promotion, that went on to become a number one bestseller in the paid store in weight loss. So that amounts – to put it in perspective, that was almost about $6,000 in royalties in 11 days. (laughs) Uh, So then you just
1: (laughs) threw the guitar away or what?
0: No, I didn't throw the guitar away. I threw my (laughs) job away of uh, ballet parking cars. Really? Uh, Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, Well, a, a couple of things. So once I saw the success with that, uh, then I started uh, creating training courses and coaching other self-published authors because there's a lot of things that I learned just yeah. that wasn't being taught uh, hey, in a so, sense.
1: Sorry. Um, you said uh, you preceded that uh, first success with a promotion?
0: Yes. Uh, what was that? So at this point in time, uh, back in 2012, what worked well Mm -hmm. was uh the free promotions so the free Ah, promotions to paid. but now i had done free promotions before that which didn't really amount i mean amounted to some paid sales but not as much so there are a few other factors i believe went into um into that launch some of which is still relevant today some of which Mm -hmm. um wouldn't necessarily work as well uh with the way uh, amazon works but it was a kdp select book so it was a Mm five-day free promotion interesting interesting so um yeah, that,
1: now that you mentioned that, uh, let's jump around. Uh, I had that question at the very end. What do you think about KDP Select nowadays?
0: Nowadays, well, I've, it's been a love-hate thing uh, <laughs> yeah. as, as things go on. But I've actually found right now I've taken some books that were out of KDP Select. There's two things I've noticed. One is I don't sell as much on the other channels Um as I do on, on Amazon. Right. And so I was kind of kind of a waste to not have it um on on Amazon and KDP select unless I really wanted to do a perma free thing or right. offer it as a free download or something. Uh, so for paid books, I, I just found I wasn't making as many sales. Um and ooh, what I found now is that with some smart marketing and promotion, it, it actually can be very lucrative to be in and KDP uh, Select, doing different types of advertising, different types of um, mm-hmm. promotions and things that are really only available to KDP Select. So I'm not one to say that there's a one-size-fits-all uh, yeah. recommendation. Each author finds what works for them. For me, um, I've now really just in the past couple months have have gotten – KDP Select back on my side so to speak and have been uh just crushing it uh with some uh-huh. of the things that I've been uh been doing with with KDP Select books the ads maybe yeah uh things with advertising in particular um uh-huh. knowing how to how to really leverage that uh <laughs> is it's huge <laughs> and uh so, so there's definitely are really
1: opening it up now now of course I want to know that you know or do we want to save that for the end of the interview
0: Uh, wherever you want to take this.
1: Uh, okay. We're already there. So tell us how you leverage the, um, Amazon
0: ads. Well, um, with Amazon ads in particular, I mean, the old form of advertising didn't really do that much. Like there was Amazon ads, you know, a year or so ago and I never was able to make it profitable. Yeah. These days, if you know what you're doing and, um, you know, I it's not to totally be a tease and say you gotta be one of my students to get all the inside information, but part of it is there's really kind of a, a whole system uh that goes into it that uh-huh. probably couldn't just be thrown out there in, in, in five minutes. Uh but I will say that you have the opportunity now with Amazon ads to target keywords and to target yeah. um Highly targeted related books. So, I mean, if I'm just going to give you some general tips, you know, targeting the related books, right, uh, right. the related authors and so on and so forth in testing and tweaking, keeping your bid relatively low. Uh, it, it takes a little testing, but what I've found is I can definitely get, um, you know, two to three times the return on investment. Nice, uh, nice. With with yeah. KDP ads. Yeah. I've just done um, I've just uh, done my first campaign too, doing uh, some
1: experiments, and I noticed that targeting other books works the best. But okay, I mean I've, I've I don't have much data right now, but first experience. Do you have a blog or something or a a post we you can refer us to your fans and everybody out there listening?
0: Uh, what what I would say is that just my homepage ebookbestsellersecrets.com. Okay. Uh, that is that is a sign up, but that gets on the email list. Most of my stuff just goes out through my email newsletter. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so I don't, I haven't really done a blog post probably in over a year. For, ah, very good. Yeah. For authors. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, that um, some some uh big guns say you know a blog is just a place to collect emails. There's no, you don't
0: you don't have to blog regularly. Is that your stance now too? Um once again I don't have a one size fits all thing I think yeah. there's definitely a place for a blog it's for me it's yeah. it's where I want to put my focus so I've been focusing more on coaching and training courses and right. uh, a blog could right. definitely enhance that so I uh, certainly might be a possibility coming up but uh, it just hasn't been on my uh, my priority list So if I join your list then I'll get some of these killer
1: Amazon ad tips
0: Uh, probably the easiest thing is because I have just a handful of students that I, Mm -hmm. I share this with, you know, probably just personally send an email to me once you're on the list (laughs) and let me know what you, what you want help with. And I'm happy if there's free resources or blog posts from other people, I just like, I'm, I'll answer every email I get personally. And half the time it's like, Look, what you need is you can find it on this person's website, on this right, free blog right, post. Right, right, go, right. go there. I'm happy to to do that. Wherever a person's at, whatever level they need. I know there's a very good basic
1: one on uh, Dave Chesson's Kindlepreneur. He's got an Amazon Ads one. Uh, some good tips in there too. So, but back on track. Back to you now. So, where were we? How about your? Uh, I was watching your videos and uh, you have this one video about how to position books. And that's really interesting. I think it's really important because um, uh, a lot of people, uh, if you look at the blogging world, it's how you position your blog can also break it or make it. And uh, so, can you tell us more about the positioning your books thing?
0: Absolutely. And, and even to just sort of tie into what we're talking about with advertising or promotions, whether that's, mm-hmm. you know. Amazon or Facebook advertising or these book promotion sites you know a lot of times i notice authors are really wondering you know, how do i how do i market my book how do i get exposure mm-hmm. and i'd say only about maybe 10 to 20% of the authors that i work with they really need to be asking themselves that question at the point that they're at most of the time when i look at an author's books i see that they need to start back from kind of square one which is uh partly market research and creating a captivating a hook for their book or right. a, a message, a cover to where when people see it, they're actually enticed to check it out because you can get in front of a million people and if they look at it and they're not interested, then it's not going to matter. So yeah, you have yeah. to have that right positioning and captivate people knowing about you know the right copywriting, the mm-hmm. right psychology. That's where the vast majority of my attention goes because actually these days getting traffic to a book mm-hmm. uh, is relatively easy. I right. mean freeways, but especially even just willing to pay a small amount of money um, yeah. in, in advertising. The, the traffic part is – and I don't want to say it's easy as in there's not things to tweak and, and test, yeah. but really that's the mm-hmm. secondary that's, – yeah. that's the second part of the process. First part is yeah. making sure it's captivating. So yeah. I'll give a, a very quick, um, quick uh, tip for positioning a nonfiction book, mm-hmm. and that is ABCD. It's the ABCD formula for the book title and even the description. A is you have to do this A or else nothing else matters. And that is get their attention. Mm-hmm. So is it attention grabbing? And then B, okay. is, it bel- is it believable? So okay. yeah, I'll slow, I'll slow down a little bit. No, I'm writing
1: uh, along. It go ahead. Go ahead.
0: For everyone, for everyone listening, taking notes, believable. Yeah. Now, this may or may not be relevant in the title, but if it's like how to make a million dollars overnight, yeah. you know, that might be the yeah. most. Oh, my God, that's the most amazing thing ever. But if people don't believe it, then it's going to lose their interest. C is the other big thing, and that is curiosity. Yeah. Does it make them curious to check it out? Yeah. Curiosity and that,
1: gap, huh?
0: Yeah. Is it something that they care about and feel? Here's, here's the thing with, with curiosity. Do they feel like they might not already know it? Because hmm. if people go, oh, I've probably heard that before. Oh, I yeah. probably already know that. Then they're not going to be be curious, even if the information is good. Yeah, so how it do you? Sounds
1: like clickbait.
0: Yeah. So how do you how do you present it in the title and or description that gets people curious, which is basically they got to care about it and they got to feel like they don't already know it. And then that ties into the the fourth letter D, which is different. What makes this book different? Now, you don't have to reinvent the wheel because people will buy multiple books on a topic, but is there something that makes it a little different? And this is where I see some authors. It's like um the book titles like How to Start an Online Business, How yeah. to Sell More Books, uh, How to Lose Weight. Like, yeah, that's a benefit. People yeah. want that, but it just sounds generic and like yeah. the billions of other books on the topic. Mm-hmm. So putting a lot of time – I put a lot of time like – Um, Mm -hmm. it it could be days of time in the, the title brainstorming and surveying a title and it could be days and days spent on the introduction and description of a book. Uh, and then there's actually less time spent just writing a chapter of the content, um, Compared to those key factors because that's what draws people in, whereas some authors who struggle, they spend all their time crafting this book and then like their title and description and things are almost like an afterthought, something that they just kind of th- throw <laughs> yeah. on there. And you think really- that
1: is the like – is that like the number one position is, is, is your first – your copy because that's the first thing they see, right? Is that is that where you put most of the weight on?
0: Most of the weight, the first two things that a person will ever see are the cover and the title. Right. So if right. you think if you don't uh, if if you're gonna put most of your attention on something it'd probably be the title because um, if you don't intrigue them with the title and get them to click through and check it out nothing else you've done will have matter. It doesn't matter how great the content is the yep. in the book person because it's months and months and months writing the greatest <laughs> book ever and they slap a title on there <laughs> that doesn't get a person interested and all that work. Goes to waste because of just that, you know, that single book title that can make or break a book success.
1: Yeah, I just recently published one, and this resonates with your different point that, um, it's, you know, t- well, I, I republished a blog post, How to Create a Create Space Book. So then I made it, yeah, that's totally boring. So I said, How to, how to painlessly create a Create Space Book. It's still kind of boring, but, uh, I'm, I'm thinking the painless part is, uh, hopefully going to ma- differentiate it you know
0: um and that's a that's a great point cuz it's it doesn't have to be something monumental especially uh-huh. here here's the caveat um when it comes to being different or unique if it's for a more beginner audience mm-hmm. then um You can be more simple. And if it's not an overly saturated market, like I saw a book like, you know, how to raise kids on a raw food diet. That's very straight and to the point, but there's not like a million competing books. So that actually works when there's less competition. Now, if there's a number of books on how to create a creates Facebook. Yeah. then what's what's you know a, a little bit of a point of distinction or how to create a creates Facebook in an hour or less or how to painlessly do it or how to do it with free software or how to do it something yeah. in there that like makes it a little bit different or a little bit more um gonna help it stand out from the marketplace
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah the uh, ABCD, I, I think
1: that's a great
0: um system or
1: monomic or whatever um okay i I interrupted you again. <laughs>
0: Well, that yeah, that's that's my main thing for uh, positioning a book, and obviously you can dive deeper into that. And I would say, I mean, just more as a principle, spending time studying the market. What else is out there? And I actually I put on, uh, here's my formula for innovation. Mm -hmm. Right? It's imitation plus creation equals innovation. Ah, yeah. And what that. What that means is I see, once again, struggling authors often go to one extreme or the other. They either rip off the books that are out there and it looks it's like a carbon copy of everything else that's yeah. there. And it's like, what makes that different? Typically, those books don't have long-term success. Then you have the creative types, which I'm going to do something totally different that no one's ever seen before. Well, it's so different that the market doesn't know what to make of it. Uh, right? And when I start saying that, I know the creative types who think I'm some of them yeah. think I'm like against creativity. No, I'm yeah. all for creativity and I'm all for modeling. I say it's not either or, it's both. There's yeah. a harmony and a balance. So you look mm-hmm. at what, what else is out there. So I put on my hat and go, what else is out there and what's working? You know, mm-hmm. If I see books that are <laughs> successful, how do I fit in mm-hmm. basically? Then after I ask myself, how do I fit in? I go the other direction. I go, now, how do I stand apart? Right. What do I right. add that's unique and creative and is going to allow me to be, um, competitive? You know, why should someone buy my book instead of someone else's book on a similar topic? Yeah. But here's, yeah. here, here's like the secret, third step of that, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people might get the first one or the second one or maybe both, but there's actually a third part of it where it's, which is not just fitting in and not just being unique and standing apart and, and, being competitive, having a competitive advantage, there's one other thing that's going to make your life a whole lot easier and set you apart from 99% of the other authors out there. Oh, 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 Uh, what is it? What is it? (laughs) This is after you ask yourself, how do I compete and have a competitive book? You then go, now, how do I turn my competitors into my collaborators? Hmm. How do I work with the other authors who are doing that? So to give a very practical example, Mm -hmm. I looked what books are successful? Well, habit books. I mean I talk about habits and personal development. So I wasn't just writing a trend. I said habit books are – there's an interest in it. S.J. Scott, Steve Scott has a lot of books on this. Um, Stephen Guy had a book, Many Habits. So I go, I want to do a book on habits because that's a pat- topic I'm passionate about and I know something about. But how am I going to stand apart? I don't want to just rip off and do what they've done. So I wrote a book, The Healthy Habit Revolution, which is a 21-day – step-by-step program that only takes five minutes a day. So I created a system around it and I created the hook of only five minutes a day where I take them step-by-step. So yeah. now this is unique among the habit books. But then what I do is I go, but now uh, that can compete with some of Steve Scott's books, with with Stephen Geis's <laughs> book, but I'm not there to try to just compete. Yeah. After I do that, I contact them and I go would you like to be a contributor to this book and add a bonus chapter yeah. and in my book I'm recommending the book mini habits cuz I think my book and the book mini habits work better together when you have both of them it's not one versus the other so now these authors are promoting my book I'm promoting their book we're actually working together to up level all of our work at the end of the day but the reason I was able to do that is because my book was was unique enough That it wasn't like they would just go, well, why should I promote your book It's exactly like mine? They go, oh, actually your book adds something that my Mm -hmm. book doesn't, and I look at their book and say your book adds something that mine doesn't. So it's it's this sort of dance or almost kind of like you – I say it like you're wearing different hats. You do think in terms of competition for a period of time in order to come up with a, a catchy hook, but then you take that hat off and put on the, the other hat which says, now let's all work together to elevate everyone. The authors each benefit each other and ultimately the readers get even more value by having uh, these, different, these different books and these different approaches. That's
1: a really cool, um, step, the secret third step. I'm going to integrate that for sure in my system. And, um, it also reminds me of, of uh, some of these guys. They, uh, get a bunch of authors together for one of those big, uh, marketing, um, promotions, maybe in Facebook or something, you know, where you get 20 books from these authors. And, uh, who was that? There, there was a, a really uh, famous author doing that too. Hmm. I know, uh, Brian Cohen has done. Yes, like yes. That. Yes, yeah. I think so. Yeah, exactly. And he's
0: also the copywriting guy, right? Yep, he does uh, selling for authors, and he, he helps authors both fiction and nonfiction with copywriting. Great guy yes. uh, to check out, check out his work. And I uh, have – yeah, that, I, exactly. That's, uh, that's exactly it. I mean he, he's created something based on this principle. So there's principles and there's strategies. Mm-hmm. The Facebook group is a particular strategy, but the <laughs> principle, which is more the big picture concept, is – Work with other authors and other yeah. authors promoting, authors promoting each other. You know, the authors all win. The readers all win. The readers get different perspective. And that's the big thing. Yeah. People are not buying your information. And this is more nonfiction that I'm talking about. But and fiction is basically they're not buying just the, the story, right? They're buying the style or the yeah. delivery. They're not buying what you say. They're buying how you say it. Otherwise, people, if wanted to lose weight, they would read like a – Human physiology encyclopedia yeah. and um you know if they want to Wikipedia
1: <laughs> yeah they'd
0: read something like that but they're like that's boring I don't want that I want someone to put it in terms that I understand or with examples or with stories or make it entertaining and so people aren't buying your information they're buying your perspective not buying what you say they buy how, how you say it which is why you can talk about some of the same things other people have talked about but when you add your own style and mm-hmm. your own packaging yeah. Yeah. to it. That's what people really want to buy that's what one of I think it was in one of your videos
1: that really resonated too, you know because when I talk to other people about making books and they say, "Oh, that's already been done, you say oh man what a what a what a cop out man you know it hasn't been done by you or in your way, you know, and it but you know you hear it all the time from some people that basically they just they don't want to try it's the loser mentality, I guess I don't know, but yeah, yeah. It, it hasn't been done by you in your way, you know, so yeah, that really resonated.
0: Um, and that yeah. was something I I struggled with at first. It's like who am I especially in health and fit? Who am I to write a health and fitness book? I don't have the qualifications. I'm just some dude that's a valet parker. Uh there's like millions of health and fitness books out there. And when I learned about the perspective and here's what made it made it click for me. Have you ever heard someone share a piece of advice or say something and when you hear one person say it for some reason the tone, the way they say it, the way they word it It just suddenly clicks and it's like you might have heard it a hundred times before, but all of a sudden they say it the right way at the right time. And it's like from the, like you needed to hear it from them. Yeah. If you've ever had that experience, then that is, you have your own firsthand experience that it's, it's not just what's being said or, or whatever. It's who is saying it and how are they saying it? And you will be that person for someone else. Your style, your presentation. Yeah. That someone needs to hear it from you, and they won't get it from anyone else unless it comes from uh, the way you have to say it, which is why it's important not to just do the imitation part and carbon copy what everyone else is doing, but add your own personality and be willing to say this is how I want to say it and how I want to do it. And it will probably turn some people off, but it will also get some other people turned on to you in your unique style. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. Um
1: Okay. Yeah, okay. So tell us about your seven <laughs> bestsellers. Which one of your books is or was the most successful?
0: For an initial launch, it would have been uh, 50 Fitness Tips You Wish You Knew, and uh, I've since run several bookbub promotions for it, which has ah. generated thousands of sales. However, for um, – in the past couple years, I released The Healthy Abbot Revolution and Now Breakthrough Through Your B.S., yeah. And Breakthrough Your BS right now is currently my top um huh. selling book. And that was it's been well after the launch. It hasn't been on a promotion recently. This is actually now uh, learning how to get more organic sales and through advertising and different things. Yeah. So, um in 50 fitness tips you wish you knew is not as high of a seller. So, <laughs> there's a there's a good lesson there in that um you know, a book that uh, even if a book has launched and didn't do as successful – well, I didn't really cover this, but I'll say this. Some (laughs) of the books that uh, launched and maybe didn't have the biggest launch or the best ever, the top sales days for some of my books came months down the road or a year Mm -hmm. or two after they were released. Interesting, Uh, yeah. So – even though amazon in particular loves newer books and gives a lot of extra juice to newer books right. it's it, it's not like the end of the world if a book launch doesn't go successfully yeah. you can always repackage it relaunch it run promotions pick the steam back up uh and i've noticed actually now amazon i I sense, and this is from talking to some other authors, is now starting to reward more the consistent sales, yeah. and not so much just the oh, you yeah. get a huge spike of sales in a in a day or so. Yeah, the long game. Yeah.
1: So that one resonates with me too because I've got a couple books, and one and one of them sells itself, no advertising, no nothing. You know, the books that I put all the money into for a big launch, you know, you get the spike, and then they just disappear into oblivion. And this other book, one of my kids' books, is just. Chugging along, making hundred, two hundred bucks every, you know, whatever, two three weeks, you know. So when you see something like that, you've got maybe I don't know, a mini hit or an evergreen book like that. Do you readjust your strategy? Do you then go, okay, I'm going to make a sequel for that book, or,
0: or do you readjust and for that, or what do you do? Um, one thing you'll always hear me say uh, <laughs> is is probably it depends. So that's, that's typically my, my answer. Cause it really does depend on what your goals are, you yeah. know? So obviously the, the common, you know, thought process would be, yeah, you got to hit, keep going. Yeah. Uh, another yeah. common thought, um, process, I believe it was Mike Shreve. You can remind me if this is who said it was like, <laughs> he puts out a bunch of books yeah. and sees, uh, you know, which one which one's a hit? So there's no pressure for any one book to be successful. Right. You put things out there. You see what uh, takes off, and then you sort of double down once you have a winner. Uh, yeah. So that's certainly a valid approach. At the same time, I wouldn't tell someone to force themselves to keep writing books that they're not passionate or that they just yeah. like – they can't stand it because um, there's plenty of ways to make, uh, make an income. There's plenty of ways to make an impact in all kinds of genres with multiple strategies. So Oh, yeah, definitely, uh, huh? It depends on uh, what a person wants to do. But yeah, I mean generally speaking, if you got something that you say, hey, this is taking off, this is doing well, it's got momentum, it's Mm. certainly easier to build upon something that's already got some momentum and add to it as opposed to, okay, I'm going to start from scratch, which is why – it's generally good for an author to stick with a particular niche or, yeah. um, and not spread themselves out so thin that they can't really get a, a big audience or uh, backing behind one, one thing in particular. Right. So that's
1: right into my next question. So how do you or do you build your audience before launch? We were just talking about, yeah, okay, you get these big launches with a spike and Amazon may be changing their algorithm for more long
0: game So do you – how do you build your audience? Building an audience before launch is a very, very smart strategy. Mm -hmm. And so you could almost say always be building your audience is Mm -hmm. is a good idea. And, And so there's a number of strategies to do that. Obviously, I think, uh, I think Facebook ads are one of the better ways nowadays to, right. uh, build an email list in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, converting those to book sales might come actually a little bit later or down the road, but building the email list, uh, through, mm-hmm. through Facebook advertising, um, other ways, you know, perma free books are another, uh, strategy to build an audience. And so, um, yeah, build an audience. Be getting yourself out there. I also recommend getting a uh, a beta reader group. And some of these some of these people I found even as strangers in uh, some of the different. Self-publishing groups on, on Facebook and just connecting with people. Hey, I got this book coming out on such yeah. and such topic. I try to make it, you know, enticing and, uh, you know, looking for some, some early readers. Let me know if you're interested. And then I funnel them all into a particular early reader group where yeah. they'll get a free copy. They can post comments. They can vote on what their favorite book cover is or, or things like that. And so right. that's a, a great way. Uh, here's one of the things that I say. Like there's three things that you can do to promote your book. You can do it yourself. You can get others to do it for you, your readers, and you can get influencers to promote your book for you. Now, you can only reach one one person at a time or until you build up an email list or or Mm – you can only – not one person at a time. You can only reach however many people you're connected to. But when you get 10 people promoting your book for you, now that's – exponentially increase reach because those 10 people now reach – each one of them reaches their whole network. So I'm not thinking as much about how do I sell my book. I'm thinking how do I get others to want to sell my book or promote my book for me? And so that means I will gladly give away free copies of my book to avid readers um, and even personally send print copies of my book to people that I – I know – so for instance, I sent print copies to people that I knew were like fitness coaches and had a social media following and friends of mine on on Facebook. What happens when they receive it? They post a picture. Hey, Derek, thanks for the book in the mail. They're posting it. Then I see other people comment. The book was called Breakthrough Your BS, so it's got that mm-hmm. captivating title. Cool. I see people comment saying, ooh, I need that book, right? Yeah. These, these are total – strangers posting on a friend's post but like I could see firsthand some people commenting hey um you know so and so I saw them post about your book I went ahead and picked up a copy right and so I'm connecting with these different people because I'm letting it's not me saying I got this amazing book I try to get my readers to you know create situations in which they will naturally promote my book uh and then they're basically you know selling it for me cool yeah that's
1: um yeah, some people call that influencer outreach or just networking, right? But um, the, the beta readers, uh, I think, is mandatory. The beta readers saved me in the last book that I made. And uh, boy, boy, am I glad because uh, I made a mistake with Facebook ads. I was building my list really quick. It was just too good to be true. And, uh, of course, it was too good to be true. And I uh, had to cut out like over 100 people from the Facebook ads that I got. And so then I only had my original list. And and which was also the beta readers and boy did they save me in my last launch uh, and uh, and they uh, I, I mean they corrected all my spelling errors and everything it was awesome so I really believe in beta
0: readers that's for sure. And have, to t- yeah. To touch upon that really quick because I know one of the things that's probably popping in the mind of some. Um, aspiring authors who are just getting started it's like why i only have you know 20 people i know i only have five people i know right Mm -hmm. so at this point in time it's not trying to sell to those five people it's really getting them on your team and offering them the book for free and seeing how can you incentivize them to uh share it like hey i'll send you the the print book if you post on facebook or i'll send you the free copy you know Uh, one thing I do is I just set it up. If you enjoyed the book, would you be willing to share it whenever it goes live, like with a Facebook post? And it's not a demand, it's just asking them. And when they say, yeah, you know, if I enjoy it, I'll definitely be happy to share it or post on Facebook about it. Okay, great. You know, and just asking them that question is now set it up so that later on when the book goes live, Mm -hmm. i'm not uh, they've already kind of have have agreed to it so i'm like hey the book's live it would mean so much to me if you if you'd be willing to share it i always ask i don't try to like force them into it but most people yeah because they've already went into it kind of with that that agreement um and he said hey you seem like you enjoyed the book would you share and so it's thinking more about getting your small avid readers to be the ones to spread the word out uh for you so it doesn't have to be a huge numbers game at first you know
1: yeah, I, I, I get that question, too. Uh, I've only got one subscriber, and uh, so I said, yeah, but it doesn't matter. You want to put the system in place. You want to deepen the relationship with your readers, and you want to segment your list from the people that just want your book for free and the people that actually want to help you, you know, and uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it has to be in place even from the very beginning to segment your list like that. So uh, do you have uh, – did I ask you if few – do you have a specific launch sequence?
0: So what I did for my last book, and I'm, I'm always experimenting, um, was I did a, a KDP select promotion, and I did five days free into a 99-cent um, promotion for another, let's say, five to seven days, I believe it was. Uh-huh. And so I promoted on the free sites I could. I promoted on the 99-cent sites uh, that were uh-huh. out there. And I definitely I believe in um, just from, from the – Effort and return on investment, it's well worthwhile to spend uh, and invest some money in, in advertising on these book promotion sites. Not yeah. every site but the the quality ones. Um, for instance, Buck Books is one of right. the, the bigger ones. Yeah. Uh, and so um, – and let's see. Free booksy is a, a good one for for free books and, and so on oh. and so forth. So there's a small handful of, of sites that actually really deliver good results. So investing in that as well as uh, emailing my list, which I, I've built up over the past couple of years – and, uh, the beta readers, and then that's, that's typically it. I will also offer, um, the people on my list. I want to reward them for being on my list. So, right. uh, the idea that I'm not going to tell them about it being free, um, hmm. and only tell them about it being 99 cents. I'm like, eh, that's kind of unfair to them for being my avid readers, but yeah. I know that they're also the most likely to spend money on the book and most <laughs> likely to drive it up the sales rank. So here's what I do. I say, look, It's going to be free for these days, and then it's going to go to $0.99. You can get it for free these days if you want, and great. However, if you get it when it's $0.99, I'm going to throw in an extra bonus for you. And I don't remember offhand what the bonus was, but I know I think if they got the print book and the ebook, then I'd include the audiobook for free once it was available. Ah, or if nice. they got the ebook, I'd include something else, some other mm-hmm. bonus for them. So I'm just I'm transparent about it, and then that way some people are still just gonna get it when it's on the free promotion, but I can still get paid book sales to my list once it's on 99 cents or even right. a full price by just saying now I'm going to throw in this extra thing if, if you can wait a day or two and, and get it when it's uh, uh, when it's actually a paid book.
1: Yeah. So um, during this time, uh, you've already gotten reviews or, or what's your process for getting reviews?
0: Yeah, so I definitely want to get about 10 reviews as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's uh reaching out to um, my sort of my beta readers, my my uh <laughs> tribe of Biggest followers, and I also use a, a software book review targeter to find some of the uh, the reviewers on Amazon, and right. I reach out to them asking them, you know, would you be interested in in this type of book? And the response is overwhelmingly positive, yeah. um, of people that are that are interested in, it. and these are legitimate reviews. It's not you know, if they don't like it, they either won't post a review or they'll post. I mean, I'll get you know the occasional. I don't know if I've gotten any one-star bad reviews hmm. from them, but I've gotten I think a three three-star um, yeah. review, and I'm, the, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Is that the um uh, author marketing club or what software was that? Uh, so author marketing club has something similar, and book review targeter is from Debbie Drum. Ah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I've used I've used that, and I love I love the software. So mm-hmm. uh, those are that just makes life a lot easier. I'm all about leverage and what's going to save me time. Uh, that being said, you could go a much slower way and just gradually kind of hustle for, uh, yeah. connecting with people. That being said, I really, I really only want honest reviews. So I'm not trying to get reviews from, yeah. uh, just a personal friend who's not going to read the book or, but just post something positive. I don't care about that. It comes across as fake anyway. Yeah. And I'm not going to do, I don't want to do a review swap with someone who's yeah. just reviewing a book because they're getting something yeah. out of it i want people reading my book because they're actually interested in the book topic and when they share their review they're sharing what they actually mm-hmm. felt about it uh both from just kind of a I like, say an ethics standpoint as well as right. just the quality of the reviews is going to be different yeah. if it's kind of like a forced quote-unquote forced review versus something yeah that's more yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah um, i heard that you have to have Over 70 reviews on a book before you can even – they'll even look at you at BookBub. What was
0: your experience with BookBub? I know I've gotten a feature with less reviews than that, um, although the book hasn't been featured again. But I believe it was – I think The Healthy Habit Revolution, um, I could be wrong about which book it was, but definitely less than 70. That means yeah. – and I've seen other books with less than 70. That being said, it's so competitive and especially as it gets more and more competitive. It's yeah. a safe a safe bet that the more reviews you have, uh, the better. Right, right, right. So yeah, uh,
1: tell us more about your fitness space. I know that's really competitive. So um, you've got a morning routine?
0: My morning routine, um so actually, you know, speaking of morning routines, uh the book uh the Miracle Morning for Writers. Yeah, Steve, uh, Scott, so right? Steve Scott, right? Steve Scott, Hal Elrod, Honoree Corridor, yeah. um put together a great book and that's actually become uh pretty close to my morning routine. So a little bit of meditation, um, some coffee, but you know, there's one thing I do before writing or creative work that um like i i see so many authors overlook this and it makes it allows me to like like get into a state of flow right away unlock my creativity I and mean, i can't imagine doing work without doing this first and yeah. what it is is i take about 1 to 2 minutes and i do typically dancing or some <laughs> sort of physical physical movement i don't mean exercise like i got to go to a gym i yeah. mean just physical movement yeah Really unlocks creativity and dancing with, alone, dancing, yeah, just having fun. It's, it gets your endorphins up, gets the blood flowing. Research also shows walking has in, yeah. shows increase in creativity, indoor or outdoor. And yeah. I noticed when am I most creative? It's not when I just come in and go, oh, I got to start writing, and I sit plop down at the computer and try to come up with something. Yeah, my yeah. most creative idea is I notice this. I, I'll be pacing. I will pace in my apartment. I'll talk things out. I'll. Uh, pace back and forth and go through a mock like video or presentation and I'm like, oh man, that's a great idea. And then I jump on my computer and sit down and type some notes and then I get back up and I start pacing again. So, you know, as, as authors, <laughs> we're typically spending a lot of time sitting down writing. And I, I believe it's important to look at uh, sometimes some physical movement and pacing or walking. It's like sharpening the axe before yep. chopping down a tree. Yeah. So it's a two-step process. First, get yourself into the physical emotional state to be creative, mm-hmm. and then go into the actual, uh, you mm-hmm. know, creative work of you know sitting there typing or writing.
1: So it's the mind body spirit thing. The mind and the body are one.
0: Exactly. And if you've Thank ever you. had an experience where you've sat there and you've just like been banging your head against a wall, try to come up with something, or you force yourself to write, and it's just like this sucks versus a time where you've been into imagine a time where you've been into like a perfect state of flow and ideas are coming out and everything's just you have so many great ideas or you're not even trying to make it happen. The words are just flowing out. Yeah. I mean yeah. how much how much of a difference is there between that and how much more empowered are you when you can tap into that flow state? On yeah, demand. And, and that part was from – sorry. Yeah. That, that
1: was from Miracle Morning, just from that book?
0: That – um, part of that's just my own observation and training yeah. and background and personal development. I mean like Tony Robbins is huge on states yeah, of and course. um, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, yep. talks about state management. So uh, it, it's not – by no means is it an original um mm-hmm. idea. It's – like I said, even just the research shows that the physical movement and the physical emotional state – it will affect everything. If you've ever been yep. in a bad mood or sick or you're like, I just don't feel like doing anything, you, you know firsthand how, how your own uh, physical states can affect uh, the the work you do and the quality of it. I like
1: I like your dancing one because I used to be a big uh swing dancing lindy hop yeah and uh haven't done it wildly uh for a while but yeah dancing is is a perfect example of that too the mind and body thing you know you can't you can't dance when you're you're negative or down you know it's basically impossible and and if you do dance then it, it should bring you up it will bring you up you know so um I usually say um when when I get demotivated I go watch a zig Zigler video or or uh tape what do you do? How do you stay motivated?
0: Well, the, I mean, there's one thing uh, that I say about about motivation, and I, I believe you wanted to touch upon this, and that is, you know, there's something that generates motivation. So I don't look yeah. necessarily just go right to the motivation. I go, what actually creates motivation? One thing, um, not the only thing, but one thing that generates motivation is momentum. Right. Momentum generates motivation. So if I'm talking about writing. You know, I might not feel like writing and I might procrastinate on doing it, but if I get myself to write even one sentence, open it up, write one sentence, it's mm-hmm. so much easier to just keep going and write a second sentence. So yeah. I, I, I give myself basically a really small target and I ask myself, it's the three magic words. I share this in a lot of different things. Can I just? And then I find something so easy, I'm guaranteed to say yes. Can I just write one sentence? Can I just brainstorm one idea and write it down? Yeah. And what I've, what I've found, what most people find is that as you do this, once you get started, it's so much easier to keep going. Yeah. Uh, and so set the, set the target small and then build from there as opposed to, well, can I just sit down and write for the next three hours? The answer, your brain will very easily find an excuse not to do that. Can I yeah. just write down and sit down and write for three minutes? And then I can quit if I want, but can I just write for three minutes? You'd be amazed at how many times that three minutes turns into 10 minutes. And hey, yeah. that's better than nothing. Or, and then maybe that 10 minutes sometimes turns into 30 minutes or an hour. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you're into it, I mean, three hours is a long time for a single session, but yeah. I mean, uh, a five-minute session can very easily turn into 30 minutes to 60 minutes without you even consciously trying because all of a sudden you mm-hmm. get into a zone. So how do you deal with interruptions because I
1: hate it when I'm in the zone and then get interrupted of course. And uh, Or do you lock yourself in a room in, in the basement?
0: <laughs> well, I mean it's, it's managing um, your environment. So yeah. obviously if this is – more practical for some people in some situations than others. But, I mean, generally, it's creating it like a – sort of like a sacred space. So if that's shutting off my phone, um, like unless you're expecting there to be an emergency, there was a point in human history where we didn't have cell phones and someone that could be <laughs> yeah,
1: commanding I our – I that.
0: I think I remember that. I don't know. I mean I'm younger, but I still remember <laughs> a little bit. Um, like yeah. but it, we have this sense that like – if people don't need to hear back from you right this second, unless it's an emergency, you can create a space where people don't need to get in touch. Or if it's your own distractions, for me, it could be Facebook or, mm-hmm. you know, email, um, being more conscious about it. There's things, uh, that can be done to like block the sites. I haven't messed with them myself. I know some people find that effective. Uh, and also letting people know, um, for some people that have family or other people that can, um, wants to come in and, and yeah. sort of demand some of that time, it, it's treating it. It's, it's setting a boundary and treating it like this is like work. Like if I'm in the middle of work, um, I know for, for myself, you know, I could be at home visiting family. I'm working on something. It's easy to be like, oh, Derek's just on the computer. We can like ask him what he needs, but it's like, well, no, if you, my sister's a nurse, like if she's in the middle of a, you know, in the hospital, you wouldn't just come in and like interrupt her while she's like working with a patient. Like, She's at work. Like there's a there's kind of a, a boundary there. You don't really interrupt people unless they it's something really important. So letting people know this is my work. This is like and this is important to me. And training the people in your life to respect it and and respect it is. You know, in terms of yeah. the level that you um, allow it to be respected and in, in the boundaries that you put up. So that's the general answer. I mean, there can be a lot of different things yeah. depending on what yeah. the uh, the distraction is.
1: It's my current challenge because you know, family man with kids and stuff, and you, you have no more space. <laughs> that's you. Know, so, um, but you in, uh, mentioned an interesting thing. You're you're young, right? So um, I'm totally off topic right now. But so let's do the young test. So, <laughs> did you ever own a cassette deck? Yes. yes. Okay. Did you ever own vinyl? No. Aha. And okay, then I don't need to ask you the next one. Did you ever have an eight-track cassette player? You know.
0: Absolutely not.
1: <laughs> ah, you young man, you. Uh, I'm dating myself here, so I better shut up, huh? <laughs> okay. So you did have a cassette deck, though.
0: Yes, I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, so CDs, I uh, probably would have been, you know. Before high school, yeah. but um yeah, when I was when I was young, young that was about the time where cassettes and CDs. Mm-hmm. By the time I was like, you know, five to seven, yeah, the, you know, CDs were coming into uh, more popularity. You know, my favorite one is TV because uh, a long time ago.
1: I I haven't had a TV for over 20, maybe even 30 years, and people would ask me, you know, how do you live without a TV? And man, I, man, that's when life starts when you get rid of your TV. But now, now you keep you keep I keep meeting people that don't have a TV. Well, okay, they look at everything in YouTube, but still, you know, they're they're out of that paradigm. They're out of the TV paradigm, and it's so refreshing uh, to meet younger people that are what I consider normal. Yeah, I don't care about TV. You know, it's just, um, okay, so it's arguable if YouTube is better, (laughs) but uh, it's a paradigm shift. So, um. all right, back to you. What do you do when you get writer's block?
0: So for, I I touched upon this. It's the can I just right and for right, me? Right, right. It's it's virtually non-existent for me to get writer's block because oh, I probably well. have more ideas than I know what to do with. I have my challenge is getting what do I not want to do more yeah. than what what am I gonna write about? However, I actually do have some practical strategies because sometimes I will sit down like what do I want to write about and. Whether it's sometimes no ideas come to mind or sometimes so many ideas come to mind, I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. So for writer's block, um, getting myself into the state, asking myself, can I just – can I just brainstorm three ideas? Can I just get started? And here's the thing with writer's block. Mm-hmm. It's often putting too much pressure on yeah. yourself to like, oh, I got to write a masterpiece. Well, yeah, of course, you're probably not just going to come up with a masterpiece right away. Yeah. Um, if I ever would have – on my on any of my books especially my last book tried to make it as good as it is it wouldn't have happened i started with a decent idea that i'm like i'm going to write about some of the common self help myths it transformed into something totally different way deeper way more profound i'm like crying as i'm writing some of the sections of this book it goes that but that's after immersing myself into it for a couple months I couldn't if I sat down and said write that like quality of book I would have freaked myself out it would have been too much pressure so I get started with something and I allow it to evolve and in order to trigger ideas two things one is read start reading some other books if I just if I'm stuck and I start reading something else or reading some blog posts that will typically trigger an idea what do I think about that you know what's what's another way I could say that right and so this is goes back to that perspective idea that it's not buying what you say, how you say it. How would I say that differently? Mm. What would be a personal story I could share around that? You know, so I can use other content, um, to generate my own ideas. Another thing is, and this is huge. This is, hmm. th- this little trick, uh, will, I, I think this alone will solve writer's block for the vast majority uh, of writers. And it's something interesting about the way the brain works. Ah. What I do is I, I call it, switching the context. Mm -hmm. And so here's how I discovered this. If I sit down and I'm like, I need to write this chapter in my book, there's a, once again, it's a pressure thing. There's a pressure there about writing in a book. It's like a real deal thing, right? But if I go, what would I say about this if I were just posting about it on Facebook casually? Mm -hmm. Well, if I go to write a Facebook post, it's a different context about, I don't know, staying motivated. I'll just make it generic. Okay, yeah. what would I say about it? Okay, I'll just, you know, post something, right? I, it's a low pressure situation where I think I'm talking to my friends and I write something and then I go, wait a second, that would make a really good part of my book or a chapter of my book. So I just copy it from Facebook over to my yes. book. But yeah. the brain, the brain is funny. If I try to write that as a chapter in yeah. my book, I don't think I would have come up with the same thing. And I noticed yeah. the same thing with, with emails. If I try to write an email, Mm-hmm. Certain types of – it comes out a certain way. It can be easier for some things and not others versus um if I'm talking to a friend in an everyday conversation. So yeah. if you get stuck with the book, maybe what would I say about this if I were posting on Facebook? Maybe literally write an email to a friend and see what comes out there. Now, this is a little bit nonfiction, but there's hmm. ways to do this. What if I were to verbally tell the story and record myself? How would that come out differently than if I were to write it? And some people are going to be much better speaking about it or conversing with a friend about it. And as soon as they go to sit down and write, their brain freezes. So cool. (laughs) Use that. Go have a conversation with a friend. Hit record. Have a great conversation because if you've ever noticed, sometimes like gold nuggets come out when you're just talking about it and you're not thinking about it and it's like – but I could never have come up with that if I were to like sit down at a computer and just try to like type it out from scratch.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so the challenge there is to get them down on paper then, you know?
0: Yeah, essentially, you know, recording that's my that was my start actually was recording videos and then uh-huh. taking that and, and then typing it out. So I didn't start as a writer. I started out as a guy that just recorded videos. So I guarantee there's a lot of things we're talking about and things that I'm saying in this conversation yeah. that I might not have thought of or or said if I were to just be like, okay, now Derek, sit down and write for an hour on book publishing or whatever, yeah. but being yeah. interviewed – it triggers ideas. So get someone to interview you or, you know, interview someone else. I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot of ways you can switch the context of how the information comes out. And when you keep, you know, when you get stuck in one thing, jump to another thing, I'm going to write a blog post. That's not, I'm stuck there. I'm going to write a, uh, a short story. I'm stuck there. I'm going to talk to a friend. I'm stuck there. I'm going to record myself uh, doing a video, whatever it is. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, um,
1: the Gary Halber letters. Have you heard of that?
0: I have. Yeah, I'm not the guy, too familiar with them, but I've heard of them.
1: Yeah, he wrote um, to his son, and they're like uh, maybe the copywriting bible to some people now, and they're they're excellent and they're free. So that's a tip uh, there. If you ever want any free resources, uh, just Google it Gary Halber letters, and probably go straight to it. And it's amazing. The guy um, he uh, made this. Uh, resource available on his website for free. It was like some people take his letters and make a, a business out of it. It's crazy. So um, yeah, back to copywriting. Did I did I pass over the part, the five elements of a book title description or was that the ABCD part?
0: Um, so the ABCD would be essentially the, the elements of a book title and um, a description. Now there's other formulas that you can mm-hmm. use. I mean I know there's like in, in traditional copywriting – Mm-hmm. Um, there's like Ada, attention, interest, right, right, desire, so on. And so you can I mean you can find different formulas. Um and you know, like many things, the templates, the formulas are great to give you a structure and to get started. And then at some point you don't have to be bound by them. You can kind of yeah. release yeah. them. But I say, especially as you're first learning, mm-hmm. um, and even if you're experienced. Start with a template, start with yeah. formulas, start with structure because that takes a lot of the thought out of it. I know some, some creative types, they instantly want to get rid of the box because they don't want to be stuck in a box. Well, you have to have a box in order to think outside of the box. So, yeah. um, I love, I love having structure, uh, just with the recognition that you don't have to always <laughs> keep yourself within that structure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay
1: yeah because uh, i think uh the abcd is is a very good one to start with and uh so um let's talk about your books again what do you
0: outsource uh absolutely outsource the book cover mm-hmm. i would say that that's a great thing for really any any author unless you have graphic design experience or know what you're doing yeah i see so many um authors kind of Sabotage their, yeah. their books potentially because they try to do the cover themselves. Uh, once again, if you have the experience, I'm not saying never do your own cover, but, uh, yeah. if they don't have the experience and it's clear they don't have the experience yeah. and it's obvious that they think just taking a stock photo and throwing generic text on it means mm-hmm. a book cover, mm-hmm. then, you know, people are judging it by a cover. So outsource the cover. I also outsource, uh, editing and that's another thing. Um, even if you are an editor, even if you do that for other people, there's something about kind of like a blind spot where it's yeah. harder to do it on your own work. So, by all means, edit your own work to, you know, first few drafts, but before the final version, make sure you get it to a third party editor um, and probably even ideally several different beta readers. Cause I-, I noticed no matter how good an editor is, it helps to have even a second set of eyes yeah. Uh, yeah, sure, on uh. it, even outside yourself. Yeah. yeah um.
1: Sometimes what I do is I read my stuff backwards so that I don't, you know, get in the groove, you know. But uh, I I wouldn't make um, pass that along as a tip or anything. <laughs> so um, uh, the covers and uh, yeah, I read somewhere uh, you have seven seconds to hook your reader when they go or your prospective customer in Amazon, yeah, because it's very visual. So they go into the Amazon, they see the Amazon sales page. And I don't remember where, but somewhere said seven seconds, the cover and the title. If you don't get them with that, and then they don't read the description. And, uh, so that's, yeah, sounds about right. Okay. What is, or who is your
0: favorite author right now? It's always hard to have a favorite. Um, So I would say I mentioned, you know, as, as far as a, you know, personal reading author. I don't. I don't know if there's anyone that comes to mind. I would say that for um, modeling success as an author, as a self-published author, uh, who I mentioned earlier, Steve Scott. I yeah. definitely look at him as uh, an example of what can be done in this business. And he's yeah. got a great, great training, great podcast, uh, yeah. all that. So I, I look at him as sort of a role model. Me too.
1: He's my hero. Uh, another, just like you said, momentum generates mov- motivation, and boy, does he have momentum! He's, he has a book palette of like forty books, you know, and uh, what did he, he wrote ten books in one year or something? Like crazy, you know? Yeah. So, my new favorite question
0: is, what do you wish you knew then that you knew now? Oof. Um that's – I'd say most of my work is essentially the things that I wish I knew earlier. Uh, <laughs> I like yeah. – I share with authors Um, even my book, 50 Fitness Tips, You Wish You Knew. The the inspiration was what did I wish I knew 10 years ago? And then when I started coaching authors, what did I wish I knew when I first started? There's a lot of different um mm-hmm. answers to that, and I would say that as a general thing, this is something that comes up when I'm – When I'm coaching authors and I know it's something I can relate to is really looking for like, what's the right answer? What's the right? What's the right answer? What's the best approach and recognizing that there is no one right answer Mm -hmm. and there is no one best strategy. That's why it can seem overwhelming and confusing. Well, I heard this works, but someone else said it didn't work, and they tried this, and I heard one guru said to do this, but another person said that, and I'm trying to – and people get so confused, and it's like, look, they're all right, and yet maybe none of them are right for you. And so take what you can learn from that and also be willing to experiment and recognize that your path is unique to you. That doesn't mean – try to reinvent the wheel and don't learn from proven strategies, Mm -hmm. it also doesn't mean that you can, you know, carbon copy exactly what someone else does and expect it to to totally work. So be willing to explore and treat it like a game and have fun with it, in which you learn the rules, you learn some good strategies, and at the same time, you're not so attached to them that you can't try something new. And I say that a lot of my success came From the earliest first best best-selling book to up till now, what I'm noticing, it came when I was willing to go, I have no idea if this is going to work, but let's give it a shot. And hey, you know, I might lose a few sales. I might lose a Mm -hmm. quote unquote, lose a little bit of money. But here's the thing. You can't ever really lose anything when you Mm -hmm. value lessons more than successes. Hmm. And so as long as I got the lessons from it. Yeah. Then I could turn around and take. Okay, I tried. I spent fifty dollars on that. It didn't really work. But I learned something so valuable that now I made five hundred dollars from that lesson. Well, did I lose fifty dollars or did I just make you know five hundred or four hundred and fifty by the time it's done, right? So it's valuing uh, the lessons and then treating it like uh, kind of like an experiment.
1: Interesting. Yeah. They say one of the biggest um, entrepreneur mistakes is underestimating the value of your time and kind of what you were talking about there kind of translates into that for me and uh so so let's twenty it what is your number one most effective marketing method i mean your experiences now that you've tried a bunch of stuff
0: hmm. well i mean the most effective marketing method and this is going to sound um maybe obvious or or you know, something like that it's Create a book that readers will love so much and people will love it so much that they'll share it for you. Hmm. And so, yeah, there's a lot of ways to get exposure and promotion, but consider this. Do you have a book that people are going to love and tell other people about? Mm Because if you look at where most book sales come from, it's referrals and things. And if Mm -hmm. you can do that, you can get a lot of other things working in your favor, including having highly influential people share your book. When I look at the most successful books, it's hard to say what the number one most effective thing is because it's kind of like what's the number one most important organ in your body? Well, (laughs) is it is it the brain? Well, try to have a functioning brain without a heart, right? There's a good
1: joke about that one, you know. (laughs) Yeah, Uh,
0: but I would say that you, you know if you have a book that people absolutely love. Um, that's a, that's a good place. I know there's going to be the person who's like, well, I got an amazing book, but no one's heard about it. So that's why it's not, you know, and that's, that's a valid uh point, which is why it's hard to isolate one thing. That being said, if a book really, really is, um, good enough. And I, I would say to tie onto that, if I have another number one, most effective marketing method, it's your relationship skills. It's your ability to build relationships and network because if you can do that, you can have – a lot of my book promotions and and exposure has been for quote-unquote free because it's come from forming relationships with people who then share my book. I know how to connect with people. I know how to connect with my readers in a way where where they'll be um, inspired to want to share my book, and if you think about someone in your life where you would go out of your way – to help that person and to support them, mm-hmm. that's a relationship. That's genuine connection. Yeah. Isn't there a lot of value in that? I mean, how can you even place a a, a financial number on that? It's it's almost priceless. And you can yeah. say, if I were to equate it to money, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars worth of advertising has been given to me for free, yep. in a sense, from relationships and cultivating yep. genuine, sincere relationships. Yeah. Yep. Words of wisdom. I
1: hear you. Cool. Okay. So, okay. Well, what are you working on now? Any new
0: projects? So, what, what's in the future? More music, or more books, or videos? There will always be more of all of those. And <laughs> uh, so, yeah, new trainings for authors, especially around advertising books, and you know, really just creating. I love working with authors that want to uh, write a book that's. Uh, say in the nonfiction space that's meant to make a difference in the world and something from the heart meant to have impact and helping authors that can craft the message in a way that it will have impact and will reach people. So uh, more coaching, more live events, more speaking, especially for the brand new authors, as well as uh, ongoing trainings and, and whatnot for established authors or aspiring authors that want to know just you know some cool marketing strategies and whatnot. And uh, I'd say coaching is a big thing. I really want to find a, yeah. uh, a small group, creating an inner circle right now of just really mm. committed authors that I want to give some more one-on-one time. Yeah. Uh, to to um. Because that's that's the big thing. So many so many authors um, that are struggling will try to do it themselves, whereas the savvy, successful authors will often have a coach, mentors, people that mm. they get help with and, and feedback. Yeah. And so the quickest path to success and the quickest way to overcome overwhelm is just get someone on your team to help you. And I have my coaches. I have my mentors. Um, and you know that's – if you look at the most successful people in the world, that's what they do. But still, for some reason, there's certain authors out there that have the mentality like they can do it themselves as if they can yeah. – like they just want to um, write yeah and, and it's like well i mean most people didn't go to school to become a like a surgeon uh and just read a few textbooks and figured that they could they could get it they had a, <laughs> they had some yeah. they had some instructors they had some practice they had some a number of things in place more than just reading a few textbooks or yeah. watching a few training videos and <laughs> Uh, While this is not as complicated as doing surgery, it really is like any other skill in that there's – you want to have some coaches. You want to have some different layers of of learning to really get the process down.
1: So do you have a a live event coming up?
0: Um, I'm going to be speaking at a few different events, things for uh, fitness professionals and whatnot. uh, But most of my live events for authors are um, not live in person but live via webinar uh, and whatnot, so – um, so where yeah, do we so find
1: you? Where where you're looking? You wanted to do more one to one coaching in the future. So where where do they find
0: you? You can uh, find my website, ebookbestsellersecrets.com, and you can email me because mm-hmm. uh, I only take a handful of students, kind mm-hmm. of based on my schedule. Info at ebookbestsellersecrets.com, and you can check with me see if uh, if I have some openings for uh, for coaching, and then we'll talk and see if it's if it's a good fit based on what you're trying to do.
1: That's pretty cool, Derek. It's been real, man. Thanks, thanks a lot for your wisdom, and uh, I hope to see you on the show someday again.
0: All right, thank you so much for having me on, Eric, and uh, for the great, uh, great questions. Glad I could share, uh, share some some wisdom with yeah, you. Yeah, and, and
1: anything else? You, did I forget anything?
0: Uh, no, I'm I'm good.
1: All right, man. Say, well, thanks for being here, and let's do a follow up someday. All right, sounds good. Right on. See ya. Okay, my friends, if you like that podcast, then remember to go to zbooks.co and go get all the materials to start your authoring career. We have a seven-day challenge every week, so there's no excuse to not finish your book. And remember, please go to iTunes and upload this podcast and Google Play. Okay, I look forward to seeing you at the top.